Okay. Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow, uh, <laughs> yay. But there's one problem. There's a human has a mustache just like you. <laughs> Do you think I know every human being with a mustache wearing an identical outfit with a hat with a letter of his first name on it? <laughs> because I don't. <laughs> Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. Oh, I got this. No problem. Yes! Come on, Mario! Our big adventure begins now! Ah! Get it off, get it off, get it off! There's a huge universe out there. With a lot of galaxies. They're all counting on us. No pressure. <laughs> hey, all you joygasmers out there, and welcome back to Joygasm video game. And movie podcast. I'm Russ, and it is so good to see that we finally get a proper Super Mario Brothers movie in episode 316 today, May 4th, 2023. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the Super Mario Brothers movie review. Before we actually get right into that, I uh, have an apology to make to all of you. We had a little bit of a, a hiatus going on in between episodes. I think it was one week, maybe two. I'm not exactly sure, but work was um, pretty busy for me at the time. We had some deliverables and milestones to meet and that sort of thing, uh, which was great because everything uh, was met, so to speak. So that was awesome, but... As a result, I was unable to do the podcast, so uh, there was a little bit of a joygasm black, uh, yeah, joygasm blackout. I was gonna say blockout, but that wouldn't really make much sense now, would it? So anyway, here we are. This episode is coming to you a little bit later than originally planned, but you know what? Better late than never, I say. So let's hop right into it. Illumination which is the, the studio behind the, the movie itself, did a fantastic job. This is a movie that, just from a high-level perspective, I highly recommend to families looking for a film that they can take their kiddos to, especially if their kids are big fans of Nintendo, of Super Mario, but also of the other Nintendo licenses as well. There, um, there are many things that I am looking forward to talking to you about with regards to this. The, um, I guess the first thing I, I want to address is like the differences between the first attempt at a Super Mario Brothers movie versus the one that we have now. So when I was a kid, back when I was, I don't know, between eight and 10 years old, somewhere around there, 
they had come out with a live action version of Super Mario Brothers, and I think it starred Bob Hoskins. Was not very good at all. Uh, big misfire in terms of what the actual brand is about, what the, the IP is all about, that sort of thing. And you can't totally fault them for that just because back then they didn't have the level of CGI sophistication that they do today. So, I mean, that first movie came out in the 80s, I want to say, late 80s, maybe early 90s, but I think it was like late 80s-ish, somewhere around there. So fast forward to 2023, and here we have a bonafide version of Super Mario Brothers. I think it's really cool to be able to see the progression of, of the last couple of years in regards to video game movie adaptions because we had Sonic the Hedgehog first and that one was in danger of becoming like a, a train wreck just based off the art direction of how Sonic himself looked. And luckily they were able to get the fan feedback and make the necessary changes. I think that film even got delayed a little bit, which was a great thing that they did that. Because then when that film came out, it was a big success. It made hundreds of millions of dollars and it spawned a sequel, which had come out as well. And that one was a lot of fun as well. My daughter loves both films. She's watched them, I don't even know how many times. And so that kind of almost set the, the start of what will hopefully be future video game movies that will come out into the future. And you know that Nintendo was taking a look at what Sega had done with their Sonic movies. And I think that probably pushed them over the edge to say, you know, I think now's the time to give it another try because they probably had like a bad taste in their mouth, their collective mouths. Um, when it came to that old version of the movie that they, they attempted to do. So with this film, the whole film is CGI. And this is something that I'm, I'm going to be kind of bouncing back and forth with um, when, I, when I think about Sonic the Hedgehog versus the Super Mario movie. In Sonic, they decided to go with the live action CGI combo. And it worked for the most part, it was like, okay, you know, they're, they're trying to fuse some of the, the real world areas with some of the, the zones of Sonic's world, like Green Hills, for example. I have a bit of an issue with that just because on the one hand, yeah, it can be clever to have that as a real world location that Sonic lives in. But honestly, my thing as a gamer is I just want to see him living in his Green Hill Zone as well as all of the other zones that I've come to know and love over the decades of playing Sonic the Hedgehog. In Super Mario, they decided to do it everything in CG and they also started the film in New York, but it was a CG New York. It was not a live action New York, but it had kind of that lifestyle of Mario and Luigi as, as the well-known Italian plumbers trying to get their small business off the ground. And then fairly soon after they establish where Mario and Luigi are from, where they live, their family, that sort of thing, they then get jettisoned via the, the famous magical green tube. <laughs> <laughs> the Potter plant uh, into the actual world of Super Mario and seeing the Mushroom Kingdom and everything else. And this is a very good call, creatively speaking. Back when we had reviewed the Sonic movie, one of the things that I had said, actually for both films, is that 
I was willing to give the live action locations a pass in the first film just because it's like, okay, well, we needed to somehow, some way, ground Sonic. And if they wanted to bring Earth into it, okay. But now that Robotnik is in essentially like some fantasy zone area, I want to see a dedication to the Sonic world where it's CG and everything else. I don't want to be stuck in Earth. I want to be taken to this other type of, of place. And unfortunately, they, they didn't do that. They had little inklings of it in, in the sequel of Sonic where toward the end, for instance, they were in uh, a particular area where they were trying to get the the Chaos Emeralds that could turn Sonic into Super Sonic or whatever. And, and that area was very much heavy, heavily in CG and reminded me of some of the zones that I've played. So that was one of the highlights of the film. Going back to Mario, it was a fantastic call, in my opinion, to be able to have the whole world be in CG. All characters are in CG. It, it's just more homogenous with the world that Nintendo has created, right? Like they don't need to have real actors to be able to justify their world or be able to try and anchor the movie in any which way at all. They have their whole cast of characters that can do that for them. So my hat is proverbially tipped to uh, Illumination because this film is absolutely gorgeous. Every single shot I saw, I was just floored over the amount of color and detail. The eyes in particular, when I was looking at, at say, Super Mario's eyes or Donkey Kong's eyes or uh, Princess Peach, like the amount of like color depth and detail and stuff, I was just, I was really impressed by what they were able to do with something just as straightforward as that. I say straightforward, but um, I mean, that, that's just one example of all the different areas i mean every single shot i was seeing i was just blown away by the amount of visual fidelity that was on screen at any given one point in time and what what struck me too about the movie was how they had fun bringing in other types of celebrated games that are kind of this ecosystem of super mario brothers so at, like at one point luigi is separated from mario and he's by himself and he, he eventually gets captured. But the cool thing is, is that they definitely had a nod to Luigi's Mansion. And again, my daughter plays that game. She loves that game. I play the game and love the game. But it was just cool to like see like, oh yeah, that, that's, that's nice. They're not just like razor hyper focused on just the Super Mario Brothers games, but now they're, they're also playing with some of these other kind of branching off IPs that Nintendo has made. So it was great to see Luigi's Mansion get represented. Mario Kart was another one where they get into their carts and, and you can just feel the energy in the theater as you're watching this whole thing play out where you all, you know, all of a sudden you see them getting into their, their own kind of cool customized carts and stuff and everybody loves. I mean, I, I think um, Super Mario Kart is one of the most successful games ever and if you were to ask anybody if they've played Mario Kart, it's one of the most fun games to play. So the fact that they also they brought that in to the movie itself was a rip-roaring good time. It was really fun to be able to watch them go through and do their things and, and throwing the shells and having like certain types of weapons that like we are all very fond of and accustomed to when we play the game be in the, in the film as well. 
another aspect to it is Donkey Kong. You know, what's really funny is, is that I remember seeing the movie poster and Donkey Kong is a part of that. But for some reason, it just didn't register with me that Donkey Kong was in the film. Folks, Donkey Kong is one of my favorite characters in this entire film. I loved the personality they gave him. I loved being able to see Mario square off against Donkey Kong because once again, it calls back to that OG game that they made even before Super Mario Brothers where it was literally Mario uh, trying to go up the ladders and whatnot as Donkey Kong at the top was like throwing down barrels and whatnot. So it was just, it was fantastic to see this next generation version of all of these games that we've come to know and love play out right in front of our eyes on the silver screen. It was terrific. In terms of the voices, Jack Black, who I didn't recognize at first, but then all of a sudden when he did his Peaches song, uh, I totally recognized. I was like, oh my gosh, that's Jack Black. They just, they lowered his voice a bit in post, but I thought he was a perfect Bowser. I really liked Chris Pratt as Mario. You know, that was one of the concerns I had coming into this film was, is this going to work out because Mario is Italian? How is Chris going to be able to be able to do this, especially if Mario has a fair amount of speaking lines? But honestly, I bought into it. I liked it. I thought it was fine. So no problem there. The, the film itself has a very simple plot, which I honestly expected coming into this. It's definitely for the kiddos. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah, I, that was one of the things that I was sitting in my, my theater chair, just happy to see that, there, that we weren't being lectured to. There wasn't some kind of propaganda behind anything whatsoever. It was just this fun, quirky Nintendo story being played out. And all the kids in the theater were just loving what they were seeing. And, that, and that's fantastic. You know, I think to not go down too far the, the rabbit hole on this, but I do think that Hollywood should wake up and pay attention to a film like this that after, I think it was like just three weeks, has garnered over a billion dollars. Like like this film has been a runaway success. And I think it's because they, they went back to basics in terms of just having like this nice family entertainment. I'm just thinking about Donkey Kong. I just love all the different rivalries between him and, and Mario. That was so fun. Now, another aspect of this film that is terrific is the music. I was so blissfully surprised to see what all um, was just being played out. They literally took all of these different super popular, recognizable Mario music, like, or music, musics, they took all these different tracks from the different Mario movies and weaved in this orchestral soundtrack that just sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, actually, while I'm thinking about it, I'll just bring this up really quick. Because I'm doing a bit of a, a brain fart in terms of uh, who the... Oh, I had a, oh Brian Tyler. That's right, Brian Tyler, who I'm a fan of his previous works. The man is really on fire lately. I've got to hand it to him. Um, there are multiple soundtracks that I've purchased that he has done on various films, and he is electric in terms of how he represents these different types of, of franchises, like the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies that came out. Um, those. And the ones I'm talking about are like the kind of the Michael Bay ones. I know the turtles look terrible. Like they're not 
they're not my version of the turtles. I'll put it that way. I'm, I come from the, the 80s turtles myself. But one of the, the strengths of those films was the soundtrack. And he was the one who was responsible for that. And so, um, you know, I, I bought that soundtrack. I loved all the different types of uh, approaches he did with the music. It was, in my opinion, it was very much in, in vain with uh, the Ninja Turtles world. And, and really, there's, there's no difference when it comes to the Super Mario Brothers movie is that so many tracks, I, I, I don't even, I can't remember how many there are, but there are so many of them that when you when they pop up, it, once again, it just there's something deep in my cerebellum that that responds positively to it, where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm like eight years old again, and I'm hearing these songs that I've heard tons of times, but it feels like I'm hearing it for the first time again, and it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy because these are certain types of tunes that I grew up with, and to hear them laid out in an orchestral fashion that really brings out the quality of like how memorable these songs are I, my whole family when we left the theater we were all humming you know the do 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 you know that's just one example of it there are many examples of that in there so again kudos to mr tyler for uh being able to to put together a very, very nice rendition of these beloved uh, tracks. Really, really, really cool. I want to also talk about some of the sequences. What's interesting is that they had to come up with a plot. So one of the challenges that I've seen when it comes to video game movie adaptions is that a video game has a plot that oftentimes plays second fiddle to the game the, the gameplay mechanics, which makes sense because it is a video game after all. But it's fun to be able to put a little bit of plot in there to understand kind of what the purpose is of why all these characters exist and why they're there and why, why you as a gamer are here. And there are other games out there like RPGs that place the narrative more front and center, even though the gameplay mechanics are still the most important aspect of, of the game itself. So what's interesting is, is that going from the TV screen to the silver screen, they're having to flip-flop that because now the audience is in a passive state, right? They're not interacting with a game. Now they're just watching what's transpiring on screen. And so I do, I do think it, it is interesting how in this film, once again, because it's, it's more made for kids, the plot is, is pretty simple, right? You know, Mario gets thrust into this, this world. He gets to meet uh, Princess Peach as well as Toad. And he's eventually introduced to Bowser as well. And so there are, are these, these kind of like pocketed moments where the action ensues. And the action, because Super Mario is an action platformer, that's where some of my favorite moments of the movie are where like for instance if Mario is is fighting against Donkey Kong they were able to capture the essence of what it's like to be in a boss fight in a Mario game in this movie and again this is all um, or maybe not all but a lot of it is due to how Illumination approached the subject material another example of it is toward the end like when Mario and Luigi are tag teaming to take out Bowser and to see the camera angles with the different types of 
um, Super Mario elements that are there, them bouncing around, breaking through uh, different types of walls, having like the 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 classic box with a question mark on it that they take um, a mushroom from or what have you. There were just these, these multiple moments throughout the film. Mario, there were many moments like this in, in during the uh, the Mario Kart sequence as well, where they they totally nailed it. I'm I'm sitting there in my chair, riveted because it's like this euphoric experience that I'm having, where clearly this is a love letter to the franchise itself. And I'm sure that Nintendo as a company was very much involved with this movie because Mario is their baby. But still, the the concept and execution of this, they were able to really harness the essence of the fun factor when it comes to the games. But in this instance, it was in a, a passive movie going form. It just makes you feel happy. Like you're just, you're sitting in a chair and you're like, my gosh, this is like, I'm, I'm so happy to watch this. This is great. So, um, yeah, I mean, the visuals were great. The audio was great. Voice acting was great. The plot, like I said, the plot was, if I had to pick something that I would critique, it would probably be the plot just because, again, you're, <laughs> you're not necessarily breaking any ground with that, but that's okay because in a film like this, it's meant to be kind of goofy and quirky and that sort of thing. So... The characters themselves, I think, were really well done. As um, you know, I haven't really talked too much about Princess Peach. This is a character that my daughter has talked about many times since we saw the movie, and she absolutely loved Peach's personality. Uh, she loved seeing how she was this capable, independent woman on screen. But also, too, she mentioned how she liked how sweet and kind Princess Peach was as well, and. I have to agree. Like as I was watching the the film, there was like one scene in particular where she's showing Mario the ropes. Basically, she has kind of like this uh, training uh, run through that that she's has set up. That looks. I mean, it is like verbatim, like like what like a level would look like in a typical Super Mario game. And so Mario's watching as she's going through and she's doing every, everything perfectly and effortlessly. And then, of course, he starts trying and he fails miserably and he has to try over and over and over again in order to get better and to the point where actually um, he can um, get through the entire obstacle course successfully. But I think other than, than that particular scene, I mean, and even with that scene in place, like that was as close as it got to in terms of like showing a female character doing something absolutely perfectly versus a male character that wasn't. But here's here's where the success of it comes into play is that I think Nintendo and Illumination did a masterful job of walking that tightrope where you can in fact have a female character that is capable, that is tough, that can hold her own, but at the same time doesn't um, discard uh, qualities about her like being sweet and caring and kind and feminine right and I think that there's probably a chance that Nintendo had a lot to say about how she conducted herself on screen and I, I applaud them for that just because once again Princess Peach is one of the most like celebrated characters in gaming period 
and to see her how she was. There was a bit of a difference in terms of like, you know, in the, the, the traditional Mario games, she's, she plays that damsel in distress, right? And so that's that kind of gives purpose to Mario having to try and take out Bowser, that sort of thing. But in this movie, I think it was great to have her be this way, especially for all the girls out there who are watching this film, who are Nintendo fans, who are Super Mario fans, because they can look at her and see just the, this wonderful kaleidoscope of qualities that is about her. And so really, really well done. Love Toad. Toad was always one of my uh, favorite characters to play in the Super Mario games. He wasn't in the film too much, which is not a bad thing, just because the times he was, he delivered what ne needed to be delivered. And I absolutely loved seeing him in that like huge monster truck during the Mario Kart uh, portion of the, the, the movie itself. And even Luigi, you know, Luigi is another character that I, you know, to give you some backstory. So when I was a kid, I was a Sega kid and it wasn't because I had anything against Nintendo, but just that my parents were limited in funds and they said, you can only choose one system. And what was interesting is I was actually at the time leaning toward Nintendo and my brother uh, was wanting more of the Sega. And so I actually laid that decision at my brother's feet. And I said, well, which system would you rather have? Do you want to have the Sega or do you want to have the Nintendo? And Steve said he wanted to have the Sega. And I was fine with that because I'm like, yeah, I can, I like both systems. So we just went with Sega. And so we grew up owning the, the Sega systems. And um, as a result, what I ended up doing was I had friends who had the Nintendo Entertainment System. So I would go over to their houses, spend the night, have slumber parties, and just play these games. You know, just play Mario, Zelda, play F-Zero Racing, so on and so forth. What I thought was what was really fun, too, was that back in the day, so because my friends owned the NES, they would always play as Mario and I would play as Luigi. So it was really fun to be able to see Luigi on screen, too, just because that was kind of one of my, my go-to characters when I was playing those games. It was an interesting creative choice to have Luigi be largely taken out of the action because he gets kidnapped basically or maybe maybe kidnap is the wrong word he he gets taken prisoner and so he's really out for much of the film and then toward the end uh, we actually get to, to see him come in and, and protect Mario and be able to, to take on Bowser together which was a, a really nice visual it does make me wonder looking past this movie first of all I I'm sure they're gonna be doing a sequel. I, in fact, I think it's it's very, very probable that they will. And this is a bit of a, a spoiler-ish kind of thing. If you haven't seen the movie, but there was an Easter egg, <laughs> quite frankly, literally, at the end of the credits of this movie where we saw Yoshi's egg start to crack. And so that was fun, too, because if you've seen the Sonic movies, they also would have Easter eggs at the end. At the end of the first film, we saw Tails as the Easter egg. At the end of the second film, we act, you actually see a, a very, very quick shot of Shadow, which indicates that they want to do another sequel for Sonic. And so it's nice that Nintendo is also embracing this kind of Easter egg mentality of being able to dole out these various characters that we haven't seen yet in the movies. And it does make me wonder, you know, what is the ultimate plan in terms of what Nintendo would like to do with their characters as it applies to the silver screen? 
just just thinking of of Kirby or Zelda and Link, you know, there are a number of various characters that they have in their their stable of characters that I think would also be a success. It would be really fun. I I am curious to know like how they would go about it. Like would they want to have like a standalone Kirby movie or a standalone Zelda movie or would they want to somehow bring those characters as additional featured characters into like a, a future Super Mario movie. It's difficult to know for sure, but overall, if I had to give this movie a rating, I say I would probably give it 3.5 stars. I think it was a really fun film I was so glad to have a film that I could take my daughter to, you know, it's, it just seems like as of late, there really haven't been too many kid friendly movies out there. And so it was great because sitting next to her, there were multiple times throughout the film where she would just look at me with her eyes wide open and her mouth open and smiling because she'd recognize either the song that was being played or a certain scene that was going on, you know, and, and it was the same kind of scenes. Like she instantly recognized the, the nod to Luigi's mansion. She instantly recognized the whole Mario versus Donkey Kong sequence. She also recognized the, the Mario Kart sequence as well. And not only that, but some of the, the little lines that the characters would say or the mannerisms they would do. It was so rewarding for me as a parent to just have that experience with my kid and be able to see her face, have her be able to see the look on my face. You know, I, I, I saw her a couple of times just watching my face to see what kind of reaction I was having during various scenes throughout the movie. And that's part of the magic, right? Like that's part of why we go to movies. And especially like when you see something so successfully executed like this, that honestly, I mean, it is a bit of a risk because you're taking something that is designed originally to be a video game. It's supposed to be an interactive experience and, and something that is, like I said earlier, very much predicated on the gameplay mechanics. And, you know, that trying to turn that into something that can last an hour and a half to two hours long in story form, there is a bit of a challenge to that. I love the music the the visuals of this movie are just splendid. I can't wait to buy this film and just watch it in 4K because there are so many. You you could pause it at any point in time and be floored over how beautiful this movie looks. Just really really impressive. And it does make me hope that maybe the folks in the Sega camp are taking notes and maybe we'll get a sequel in the future where it is all CG in Sonic's world. Because I know for me as a Sega person, as like a, a big fan of Sonic the Hedgehog, that's what I want to see. And in fact, there was like the, an opening sequence in the first Sonic movie where he's doing the whole loop-de-loops and he's in his fantasy world and everything. I, I mean, talk about a joygasm. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is it. Like this is the idealized high poly, well-rendered world, but then we're only there for like two minutes. And then all of a sudden we get thrust into the real world live action sequences. Sega, if you're listening, take a note or cue from what Nintendo has done and embrace the full world CGI experience because you, you also have your whole stable of characters that you can draw from 
everybody loves Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, what you've done with them, but we want to see them in their fantasy element. We're done with the live action parts. Like we, we don't need to see that. We're not interested in that. We want to see the world of Sonic the Hedgehog and all of the crazy zones that we've come to know and love. That would be fantastic. So the final thing I have to say about this whole situation is um, I'm curious to know what other types of gaming properties may be on the docket for possibly getting their own film. And of course, it's not like these are the first games that have been turned into films. And we, we've had Tomb Raider and that, that worked actually, you know, that worked out nicely as a live action film. And we've had a couple of others that have, they've like fared okay, but nothing as gangbusters as what we're seeing with Sonic and especially with Super Mario Brothers. So it does make me curious. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it continues to financially help me doing the podcast. Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week each week. And while you're at it, you could... Search your favorite social media platform of choice for at Joygasm TV, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M TV. Last but not least, you can do a search for us on Twitch. Just do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see me stream various video games live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. I look forward to having you all come back next week when I do the review for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. See you then.